0: Uh, That's awesome. We are obviously celebrating Mother's Day here at H2O, so uh, we are so glad that you're here. My name's Brian Wiles, one of the pastors here, if I haven't got a chance to meet you. And uh, again, as we think about this day, it really is kind of cool how motherhood paints a picture for us of the love that God has for us. And so in that that idea, we're celebrating all types of mothers here today. We know that kind of there's the traditional biological moms that many of us uh, are here today. All of us have one of those, obviously, Uh, but beyond that, we're celebrating stepmoms, we're celebrating grandmothers, we're celebrating people who have either adopted children or even informally adopted us into their lives and really mentored us and cared for us, and there's such an important role that that women and that mothers play and so i think it's right for us to just take kind of take a minute and celebrate that today because it's a beautiful beautiful thing when you think about just the the countless hours of heartache and stress and sometimes pain that mothers put into uh, raising their children. Again, it's such a picture of God's love. Uh, It was funny as I was thinking about uh, this message and how we wanted to start off. I was reading and I I came across this story of a young boy. He was a kindergartner and uh, he was really excited because his mom uh, was about to have another baby. So he was going to have a younger brother for the first time and so he was so excited to be an older brother, and he could not stop talking about it. He was one of those kids that just non-stop talked all the time, and and anytime he would go out in public, he would say, hey, um, you know, my name is Billy, and I'm going to have a little brother here soon, and and so whenever he would go to school, he would talk about it with his teachers, and he would just constantly be talking about this new baby brother that he was going to have before too long. He was so excited, and one day as the mom continued to grow uh, and, and and mature in the pregnancy, uh, the baby was starting to kick, and so she brought brought a uh, little Billy over, and she said, you can uh, put your hand on my stomach, and you can feel him kick, and so she he put his hand on her stomach, and he felt the baby kick for the first time and in that moment he he got this kind of bizarre look on his face and and all of a sudden he got really quiet this kid is talking non-stop all of a sudden got real quiet and real contemplative and and so she said it's okay you know that's just kind of normal that's part of the whole process and and how are you feeling what are you thinking and he just wouldn't talk about it hardly at all anymore so he went to school went on with life and for a couple weeks he didn't talk at all about his new baby brother and so finally one day those of you her teachers, you can maybe relate to this. She thought, there's something wrong. Why isn't Billy talking about his, his little brother? And so she said, Billy, you were so excited uh, for such a long time about your new baby brother. Why haven't you been talking about it? He said, oh, I, I don't want to talk about it. She said, it's okay. You know, you can tell me anything. Let's, let's talk about it. And, and he said, ah. Okay, I will tell you what's going on, but you have to promise me you will not tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. And the teacher said, well, I'm not sure I can guarantee that, but let's, let's talk about it. All of a sudden, the kid just burst out in tears. He said, I think my mom ate my baby brother. <laughs> He's in her stomach, and, and I'm so worried. And so we know that you as mothers, sometimes your role can be kind of confusing. There can be so many different things that are put on your plate But thank you, honestly, from the bottom of our heart. And we also know that a day like today, uh, for some of us, it's a little bit harder because we have different experiences. Some of us maybe have lost our mothers. Some of us are in different places in our relationship. And so really, no matter where you're at here today, our hope, our prayer for you is that we would be able to point you towards God today that you would come and, and leave today knowing how much God deeply loves you and cares for you and how much God's word can be part of your life and pointing you towards having this abundant life that God wants for every single one of us to have. See, I, I want to look at a passage today that isn't specifically about Mother's Day. It uh, applies to all of us. Of course, there's applications that go there. But the passage today that I want to look at is in the book of Psalms, and uh, it's, it's this passage it really teaches us about how to live a life for God how to live a life that honors God. And even on this Mother's Day, when we think about uh, women who have impacted us to the very core of who we are, oftentimes many of those, those women, many of those mothers, they've been people who have been deeply committed to, to God. I know for myself, uh, I have some amazing moms in my life. My my own mom, obviously, I love her. She's so awesome in my life. I have an amazing mother-in-law who's here with us today. And, and uh, my wife, obviously, is an amazing mom, and I want to celebrate her. She's working down stairs in the kids area because she's a servant on mother's day as some other mothers are as well and so uh, we think about just the role that they have I think about my grandmother who left this amazing legacy of faith my grandmother had something like 88 grandchildren children and great grandchildren and every day of her life without missing it she would pray for every single one of us by name And I think about that and I think, man, that is so powerful, the legacy that she left and the ability to say, God, I want to be selfless and put others in my family before myself to spend the time praying for every single one of us by name. And and I think about women like her and I think the things that she clung to was the fact that God deeply loved her, God deeply loved every single one of us, and God's word made an impact in her life. And so the psalm that we're going to look at today is Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119, if you know anything about the Psalms, it's actually the longest chapter in all of the Bible, okay? Uh, there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. Now, don't get nervous. We're not going to go through all 176 of those different verses today. We're going to pull out about 10 of those verses. But really, what this Psalm teaches us is how to center our lives on God and His love for us and how on His Word. Psalm 19, Most of, 119, most of it, Is all about the Bible and how transformative it can be in our lives and how powerful it can be in our lives and how it can draw us into a deeper relationship with God. And so here's the big idea that we're going to walk through, that we're going to pull out, that we're going to discover together today. The big idea is this, that God's word and God's love are always with us. God's word and God's love are always with us. You know, oftentimes we go through our world that's so changing and so rapidly moving when we wonder, is there anything constant? You know, is there anything that can really like center us? Is there anything that we can continually come back to? Is there anything that's always with us? And in Psalm 119, we learn and we find out that these two things, God's word and his love, are constant. In a world that is changing so rapidly around us, there is something that we can constantly come back to to center us, to draw strength from, to draw encouragement from, and to draw uh, power from as we seek to live our lives. And so let's open up Psalm 119 we're going to start in verse 79 and we're going to stop a couple different times throughout this chapter and we're going to pull out three different things that i think god is is teaching us about how to live a life for him out of psalm 119 so psalm 119 verse 79 it says this it says may those who fear you turn to me those who understand your statutes, may I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I, that I may not be put to shame. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. And the first thing that I think the psalmist is teaching us as we come to this passage together today is this. That we need to be desperate for God. We need to be desperate for God. Do you see how he says here, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. There's this desperation in the tone of the psalmist as he's teaching us how to live a life as we seek God together. I wonder if you've ever been like really desperate for anything in your life before, like truly desperate. About three years ago, I was hanging out with my kids. It was one of those daddy days, you know. I can't remember whether my wife was at work or whether she was just getting a little bit of time to herself. But I took my kids up to Imagination Station in Toledo. And so we're playing around there. If you've never been there, it's really cool. There's lots of awesome science things that that go on. And so my youngest at the time, Isaac, he was about two years old. He just started to get mobile, just started to walk. And like most two-year-olds, he was a terror, you know. Like you could just never keep control of him anywhere you go. And, And so it's... It's kind of just like herding cats with three young kids when you go to a place like that. So we were down in the basement. We were doing all these different uh, science experiments and checking different things out. And I was hanging out with my two older kids. We were talking and doing some of the science experiments. All of a sudden, I realized, Isaac, my youngest, my two-year-old, is not with us. Okay? Now, I'm a pretty, like, laid-back parent, you know? And my wife and I sometimes have different parenting, you know, expectations, I guess you could say. And so oftentimes before I leave, she'd be like, you know, give me a checklist or, you know, going to lose any of them, right? No, I'll never lose any of my kids. So I lost Isaac for a little bit. And at first, like, I'm like, hey, it's okay. No big deal. You know, I like to be the calm one. It's all right. We're going to find him. So I start walking around, just expecting he'll be around the corner or something like that. Isaac's nowhere to be found, you know. And I'm like, Okay, I go from being like kind of calm and I take it up a notch. All right, guys, okay, we need to really start looking for him. So we kind of span out a little bit over the basement and we're looking around for him a little bit more. It's been about 10 minutes now. We're looking for my two-year-old, okay? And uh, I still can't find him. Now I start to go into like all right, this is bad, you know, this is not good at all. I'm picturing how the conversation is going to go when I'm telling my wife, I lost your youngest, you know, Um, and and so we, I say, you guys stay down here. You find somebody from Imagination Station. I'm going to start looking around, so they stay in this one spot, but they're kind of looking for him. I'm going and talking to people. Have you seen a little two-year-old kid, you know, uh, wandering around, and they're like, no, and so I I go upstairs. He had just learned how to crawl, crawl upstairs, and so I walk upstairs now. I'm thinking, there's no way he actually went up these stairs, is there? And so now like 15 minutes have passed, and I'm starting to get into panic mode. I'm starting to get pretty desperate at this point, right? And I'm starting to talk to the people of imagination, saying, do you see anybody go out that door, you know? is it, is it anything happened? Has anybody seen this little kid walking around? And so I'm walking around up on the upper floor now, and all of a sudden I look over, and there's this class full of kids that are all looking in this, you know, water display, and there's Isaac just hanging out with this different class. He had climbed up the stairs and went and somehow interacted with all these other kids. That's kind of his personality if you know anything about him, even since he was two. But in that moment when I thought I had lost my son, I was literally starting to get pretty desperate. You know, if you've ever been in a situation where something happens that you know it shouldn't be right, you start to get pretty desperate. And I started thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to, like, shut this place down? Did somebody take my kid? What in the world am I going to do? And my mind started churning. I was desperate to find Isaac in that moment. And the psalmist, as he's talking about how his soul is longing for God, it leads us to that image of somebody who is just desperate. Somebody who just needs to find their kids. Somebody who needs to get reunited with the one that they love. You know, we can be desperate for a lot of different things in life, can't we? And some of us can be almost desperate for our sports teams to win. Those of us who are moms who are here, we're like desperate for sleep sometimes, right? We use that word desperate pretty often. But I wonder if we're ever desperate for God. I wonder if our soul longs for God the way that the psalmist longed here. You know, the idea that just like we need water, just like we need food, we need to be in communion. We need to be in relationship with God. That's how much we want to connect with Him. That's how much we want to desire Him. I, I love our name H2O as a church because of that water connection. You know, if you, don't, if you go very long without water, you start to get desperate for it. And the psalmist says, we need to be desperate for God. And you know, the interesting thing about being desperate for God is it doesn't mean that we have to try to muster up and acquire more of God's presence in our life. We know that if we are followers of Jesus, we don't need to get more of God because God has already given us everything of himself. God has already given us his presence. God has already come to to earth from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ and laid down his life for us because he loves us so much. So in terms of on God's side of things, there's nothing else that needs to be done for us to be desperate for him. But the question is, are we desperate? Do we want to continually long for him? Like we long for a, a glass of water or a meal when we haven't eaten for a while. Do we long to be connected with God? Are we desperate for him? It's a hard in our culture because so many times we, we have everything already. And, and that idea of desperation doesn't always resonate with us. But he says, I long for you and your salvation. And so for those of us who want to follow Jesus, we have to do things and point ourselves towards Christ so that we can recognize that his presence is already there. But we need to rely on him and draw closer to him daily because we need him. Let's jump back into the text. Verse 82 says this. It says, My eyes fail, looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors, the arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law? All your commandments are trustworthy. Help me for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wipe me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. See the second thing is this, if we want to have an abundant relationship, connection with God, we need to identify our concerns to the Lord. Identify our concerns to the Lord. Do you see what the, the psalmist did there? He, he said, uh, listen, they've almost wiped me out from, from the earth. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? And what we see in this psalm is this connection and this relationship and this communication between the writer of this psalm and God. And he's identifying to God his questions. He's talking with God about his concerns. And he's saying, God, there's some things in my life that aren't going the way that I thought that they would go. Have you ever been in those moments before? Have have you ever been in that situation where as you go throughout life, you say, God, this isn't exactly how I would have drawn this up. God, this isn't what I thought that you have for me. God, why have you taken me down this path? God, why did I end up here instead of where I thought that I would be? And in those moments when we face a trial, in those moments where we face some type of suffering, in those moments where we face some type of pain, every single one of us, we have two different options, don't we? In the moments in our life where we're disappointed or we have questions of God, we can either run away from God or we can run to God. And I think that as we think about just living a life of following God for longevity, that is probably the most important question that we answer over and over again. When life disappoints me, not if, right? Because those of us who've been alive for any amount of time, we know it's not an if. When life disappoints me, take it a step further, maybe even when God disappoints you. When God doesn't answer a prayer that you wanted him to answer. When a situation ends up not being how you wanted it to be, when that happens, what do you do? How do you respond? Where do you go? We have two choices. Run away from God and say, well, he must not love me. He must not care for me. He's not who I thought that he was. Or we can run towards God. We can identify our concerns to him. We can communicate with God. We can talk with God. And we can be honest with him. And we can run towards God. Part of running towards God is being honest with him. About how we're actually feeling about our lives. And where he's brought us to. I heard this this phrase the other day. And I thought that it, it it was pretty good. The phrase was this. Being desperate for God. No, the phrase is this. Sorry, I, I jumped to the wrong part. It's this. Asking questions about God and having faith in God are not incompatible. You think about that? Asking questions about God or to God and having faith in God are not incompatible. And sometimes we get so afraid that we might offend God if we ask him an honest, legitimate question. That we just run away from him instead of going to him and identifying his, our concerns to him. Asking questions about God or to God is not incompatible with having faith in God. God wants to know what's on our hearts, what's on our minds. The reality is when, when suffering, when pain, when brokenness comes into our life, God wants to use it to draw us closer to him. Tim Keller, he's this amazing author and writer. He says this, he says Christianity talking about suffering and pain and disappointment Christianity teaches that contra fatalism suffering is overwhelming contra buddhism suffering is real contra karma suffering is unfair contra secularism suffering is meaningful See, if we're going through a trial, if we're going through a situation that we don't completely understand, God has some purpose, some meaning in that. He says there is a purpose to it. And if rightly faced, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into a more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. So here we have this psalmist crying out to God saying, God, What about these people who want to hurt me? What about these people who want to harm me? When are you ever going to take care of them, God? And what Keller tells us is that if we run to God in those moments of questioning and pain and doubt, God can use that to strengthen and encourage and build our faith. So the question isn't, will we face those trials? But when we do, what do we do with them? And let's jump into this last section. Psalm 119. Starting in verse 88, he says this, In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth, and it endures See, third and finally, we need to trust in the faithfulness of the Lord. Trust in the faithfulness of the Lord. You know, as we go throughout our life and as we look at all the different things that God brings into our life, oftentimes we're tempted and sometimes we're even told by our society and our culture and our world, you need to trust in yourself. You need to trust in what you can do. You need to trust in your ability to overcome anything that comes into life. And there's probably some good in that reality because we need to have a a confidence about ourselves that, that knows who God made us to be. But listen, if you're only trusting in yourself in this life, you will end up being disappointed. I can tell you from experience. Because even if God has made you to be the most awesome, most powerful person in this world, you are finite. You're human. You can't handle it all on your own strength. But God, God can. In his faithfulness, in his power, and his word, we can trust. Did you catch uh, the, the big idea from that verse? It says, your word, Lord, is eternal, and your faithfulness establishes through all generations. You see, God's word and God's love are always with us. And so as we go about life trying to share the love of Christ with other people, we can be confident that God, loving us, has empowered us through those two things. We can know that that God loves us beyond a shadow of a doubt because just like a good father, just like a good parent, on this Mother's Day, the love that a mother has for her children, God has that same type of love for us when he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth and die for us. And that displayed the reality that his love will never leave us. That there's nothing that we can do, that, that there's no far, we can never go too far away from him. We can never stray too far away from him for his love to track us down and embrace us like a mother would do for her child. And his word, oftentimes we underestimate the power of his word. We're told in our world that has so many things changing, that it is constant. That it can allow us not to ju- just live a, a life of existence, but a life of power. And a life of dignity and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and fruitfulness in our life. And so our hope, our prayer for every single one of us on this holiday is that we would live a life that honors God. You would look back at your legacy, whether you're a mom here or not, or whether you're just somebody who's trying to follow God. You would look back at the legacy of your life and say, God's love and His word directed me, they guided me, they helped me point people towards Christ over and over again. See, God is with us. He loves us, he cares for us, and he wants you to have abundant life. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we're going to worship him for that.